Live from the capital of the Commonwealth, this is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. Three. Jokic. Spinning. Bats in. Out of aisle. Pokes it away. Four to shoot. Jokic falling away. Puts it in. The first finals game in franchise history is a rousing success. Denver's 9-0 at home in the playoffs. They take game one. I love when the play-by-play announcer does that. Mike Breen on the call, NBA TV, ABC, ESPN. When he times his description to finish and then the buzzer sounds. I try to do that a lot. I fail most of the time, but I try to do that a lot. He did it perfectly last night in wrapping up Denver's 104-93 victory over Miami in Game 1 of the NBA Finals. So there you go. That's what I got out of the play-by-play highlight that A.J. pulled to start the show this afternoon. I got the fact that the play-by-play guy stopped talking just in time to hear the buzzer at the end of the game. There was a lot more involved in this than just that. But I always look for the production elements, being the geek that I am in the broadcasting world. Uh, But we were... um, we were pretty much spot on yesterday, right? I mean, we asked the question of Kevin Winter from ESPN Radio, who hosts the pre- and post-game, which you heard here on 1061 ESPN, and you'll hear Game 2 on Sunday, when I asked him, do you think we will see a rested Nuggets team or a rusty Nuggets team? And Denver emphatically and quickly answered that question i think there was some thought that they'd be rusty for a couple of minutes maybe i don't even think it lasted that long uh they got out of the gates great they led by nine after one by 17 at halftime by 21 at the end of the third quarter miami made a little bit of a run in the fourth quarter i guess they got it under double figures in fact down to nine which you would expect miami has been that way all season long they're not giving in They're not giving up, and they didn't last night, so they made it at least a little bit interesting down the stretch, but I don't think the Nuggets ever felt threatened in that game, and they won it 104-93. The line was 9. They won by 11. I would have taken Miami in 9 last night, so I would have been a sore loser, and I think the game 2 line is already out and about the same, about 8.5 or so. You give me Miami in 9 in game 2, I'll take them again. I am confident in this Miami team to keep these games close even though they didn't in game one because we got the emphatic answer to the question rust or rest and they were rested they were sharp and they were ready to go uh Jokic finished with the triple double but he didn't score much in the first half he didn't need it he had Murray he had Gordon he had Porter all going and he scored in the second half and finished with 27 with 10 rebounds and 14 assists Murray had a double double 26 and 10 assists and uh, the Nuggets just looked really sharp last night and I would expect they will look just as sharp in game two but I would expect Miami will be a little bit more competitive they'll get their finals legs under them now get a little bit more rest before game two Jimmy Butler's going to score more than 13 points which is what he had last night six of 14 from the floor seven rebounds and seven assists so I would call it a convincing game one win for the Denver Nuggets over the Miami Heat going pretty much 
according to script. Let me bring AJ into this conversation just a little bit as we tip off the sports huddle on a Friday afternoon, wrapping up your week. Bob Black with you here, hosting remotely today to wrap up the week. AJ is in our ESPN Richmond Studios. He's the first voice you'll hear if you'd like to get on the program by dialing us up, 804-327-0888. That's also our text line, 327-0888. You're my NBA guy, AJ. Am I off base here or pretty much spot on? The Nuggets showed a lot of rest and sharpness and not much rust at all. Uh, yeah, not much rust at all. I, to be honest with you, the world got to see what a lot of us have been watching all year. They they looked just just absolute money. Uh, this was this they executed ex- the best version of what I've ever seen the the Denver Nuggets do. Where where you've got Porter and again, I told you Gordon was going to have a lights out game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Bruce, knowing little fly that he is, just this team. It's hard to root against this team. And, you know, but I will say this. I text Rob, who, you know, his heart, I'm sure, is out there broken. For Struess and Martin to not do very well and Butler to be quiet and for them to keep it, you know, within 11, that's a good sign, I think. Oh, that's a positive spin. I agree with you. I, I don't think anybody expected them outside of the Miami folks to win this game. And I expected them to be competitive. It wasn't quite that. They wound up losing by 11. The line, as I said, was 9. I would agree with you on that. I still don't think they can win game 2. I really don't. But uh, they will be a little bit more competitive. Here's my one question about what happened to Miami last night. How do you go through an NBA game, AJ, an NBA game, and shoot only two free throws in the entire game? How did that happen to Miami? It's Denver. I'm I'm telling you, and this goes back to what I was telling you with old school uh, basketball. This team is just precise. Like, if it was a pro wrestler, it's Bret Hart. It's just precise. They they do not make mistakes. And you literally saw Denver at their best. And and the Heat is not a team, (laughs) Lowry aside, that tries to go for cheap fouls. So I think the game just got away, and they, they didn't try to go for fouls, and Denver doesn't really give a lot of them. Yeah, and I guess they jacked up a lot of threes, and, you know, you're not going to foul very often on threes. What did they shoot? About 43 pointers, as it turned out last night. But they got to be better there. They got to be more aggressive. They got to get the free throw line at least a little bit. You can't go just two for two at the free throw the, line. That's tough. There's something going on with Jimmy, and it's been four games now. And I know, you know, if you look at the stat line, he had a couple of 17, 24, I think it was game six of the Celtics uh, Eastern Conference Final. But something's going up with Jimmy. I don't know if he's just hit the road for the season or what, but it Jimmy really needs to kind of pick it up. It's not the same Jimmy I've been watching. He'll pick it up. I'm convinced he'll pick it up. Don't talk to me about load management. He should have taken 10 games off during the regular season. He'll pick it up. I'm confident in him. He'll have a much better game, too, than he had in game one. And to go back to your point, I'm really glad you mentioned this about the Nuggets and you know those that have watched them closely all season understand what we're now seeing on the bigger stage. That's part of the topic of our first guest this afternoon, and a little spoiler alert because we'll mention it in just a couple of moments. But we've got a really good writer from the Washington Post coming on, covering the NBA Finals, been a guest of ours many times, and Jerry Brewer. And one of the stories he wrote this week was about the Nuggets, who have played much of this season generally in anonymity, 
are now going to have to get used to the spotlight and get used to the fanfare and get used to the hype, none of which they have had all season long in which they have enjoyed a great year. I don't think it's going to change them at all. I just think it's an interesting perspective, and you had it as well, A.J., that this is a team that NBA aficionados have appreciated all year, and now the more casual NBA observer watching the finals will also appreciate. This team's going to be around a while. Yeah, because they got Porter sealed up. They've got Murray sealed up. Aaron Gordon's coming out of nowhere. This is this is a potential dynasty team. I've been telling people that. Yes, you have. Absolutely. Uh, They're almost invincible at home. They proved it last night, and I think they're going to do it again in game two. Although I still think the Heat will find a way to come back and make this a six game series before it's all said and done. So game one in the books, Denver wins it 104-93, takes a one-game-to-none lead in the NBA Finals. And as I mentioned, we're going to keep talking some NBA at least through the next segment of the show this afternoon. We're just underway, first 10 minutes on a Friday, getting you up into the weekend. Hope you're going to have a great weekend. Get outside, enjoy it. The weather should be great. Um, So that'll be fun as well, and we're glad that we can kick it off with you this afternoon. So let's get it rolling for a Friday afternoon at just about 10 minutes after 4 on the Sports Huddle. Here's what's coming up on today's Sports Huddle. Just a huge fan of the sports. This is the River City Rundown. River City Rundown brought to you by our friends at the Richmond Chapter of the American Red Cross. We urge you to support the local RVA community by volunteering your services, donating blood to the Red Cross. If you'd like more information to learn how you can help during this critical time, go online and visit redcross.org. All right, the aforementioned Jerry Brewer will join us here in just a few minutes at 4.15 this afternoon from the Washington Post. He is covering the NBA Finals. He's got a couple of really intriguing columns out this week. And as I mentioned with A.J. just a couple of moments ago, one of them is the realization that the Denver Nuggets are going to have to start accepting all the accolades that are coming their way. In fact, the headline online to his column, the mesmerizing Denver Nuggets better get used to attention. Uh, It is coming their way. The attaboys, the pats on the back, the congrats, the high fives, all of the hype that comes with being in a position to win their first ever NBA title. So that's one of the perspectives that Jerry Brewer took. And the other goes back to a conversation that Sean and AJ and I had yesterday and also had with Kevin Winter. And that's these NBA finals. What will they do for the NBA? And Jerry Brewer is of the belief. And here's the headline from that online story from just a couple of weeks ago. These finals are only about basketball. And that's just what the NBA needs. Meaning there are no ancillary stories. You know, there's no off the court kind of issues. None of that hype surrounds these two teams. These two teams are basketball teams. They play from baseline to baseline, sideline to sideline, and that's going to be the focus of this finals, which would be a refreshing thing. So those are two topics we will discuss with Jerry Brewer, who has become a regular contributor, and we're very happy about that here on the Sports Huddle as he covers the national sports scene for the Washington Post, and right now he's focused in 
on the NBA Finals. So he will join us here in just a couple of minutes. In the 5 o'clock hour at 5.15, Mike Barber from the Richmond Times-Dispatch will join us. He is covering Virginia's baseball team in the NCAA tournament, which opened in resounding fashion today. UVA beat Army 15-1 to this afternoon in Game 1 of their regional in Charlottesville. They'll get the winner of Oklahoma, East Carolina, which plays tonight a dominating performance by the Cavs. Cavaliers this afternoon, and we'll talk about it with Mike Barber when he joins us at 5.15. Let's get the break in here. Jerry Brewer from the Washington Post joins us next. We get back to NBA Finals talk straight ahead on the Sports Huddle. The Denver Nuggets continue to roll, winning game one at home. Can they make it two straight? Or will Jimmy Butler and the Heat bounce back to tie the series up at one? The Finals, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins Sunday at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ABC. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. To our guest as the sports huddle continues on a Friday afternoon at 417. Bob Black with you here. Thanks for locking in 1061 ESPN here in the capital city. Jerry Brewer joins us as he has been doing regularly, and we really appreciate and like that, particularly through the NBA playoffs. And now we're into the NBA finals. Denver up one game to none. Jerry, thank you for joining us this afternoon. Uh, how you doing? Uh, I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me. Hey, so the promo on the air just a moment ago says the Denver Nuggets continue to roll at home. Did that surprise you last night? We asked the question of a couple of guests yesterday. Would it be the rested Denver Nuggets that we saw in game one or the rusty Denver Nuggets that we saw in game one? Jerry, they emphatically answered that question, didn't they? Yes, they did, and it didn't surprise me. Uh, That was the 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 biggest opponent that they were going to face was the nine-day layoff, not the Heat in Game 1. Um, I think we know very clearly, just looking at the rosters, if you paid any attention to the rosters and the way they play, Denver is the more talented team. They're almost impossible to beat, especially in the playoffs at Ball Arena. And they just took care of business. Now this is there's a lot of, there's a lot of focus that should go on the Heat in Game 2. Not necessarily that they have to win, but they have to put together a performance in Game 2 that gives some kind of indication that they can figure out the Nuggets, that they can handle some of the mismatches, that they can deal with their size. And uh, I'm not sure that Game 2 isn't going to be another double-digit victory. This is Mm -hmm. a, a really, really difficult matchup for the Heat. Jerry, in previewing your appearance with us this afternoon in the opening segment, I mentioned to our audience your column in today's Washington Post, WashingtonPost.com slash sports, the online headline being the mesmerizing Denver Nuggets better get used to attention, which I think is fascinating, but I love to pull out certain lines from from your great columns, and I would love for you to expand on this one. The Nuggets play a mesmerizing brand of fluid basketball. Give us the nuts and bolts, the X's and O's of that. Oh, man. They, they are the new read and react system. Uh, the Warriors <laughs> have that read and react system in which the open man dictates uh, who takes the shot. Excuse me, ball movement and player movement mean so much to their offense. They don't even really have to run anything because – Everyone is just so connected and everyone shares the ball. 
the difference between the Warriors and the Denver Nuggets, and mind you, the Warriors have won four championships, so I'm not going to sit around here. I'm not making a case that Denver is better, but I'm making a case that they've got a wrinkle that the Warriors don't have, and that wrinkle is size. Aaron Gordon, true power forward at six foot nine. Nikola Jokic, almost seven feet tall, two hundred eighty-five pounds. Michael Porter Jr. at small forward at six foot ten. Even even Kendall uh, Kentavious Caldwell Pope uh, being darn near six foot seven, and Jamal Murray uh, strong enough at six two, six three to post people up. And what's fascinating about their offense is that they can run things inverted, meaning like. They're a true positionless team, but if you've got the center uh, facilitating things from the top and you've got the point guard and Murray uh, operating a lot of times in the paint and setting screens like a big man, that's really hard for defenses to deal with because uh, positional norms are absolutely obliterated. Um, But most of the time for people to do that, to play what what Mike D'Antoni introduced as skill ball, they have to play smaller. The fact that Denver can do that with prototypical size makes them just really, really difficult to defend. So you mentioned earlier that their biggest opponent going into game one was the nine-day layoff, not so much Miami. Is the next biggest opponent all this attention that you wrote about uh, today and how, how Jokic and Gordon and Porter and Murray and all these guys handle all this attention and the spotlight that's going to be on them, or will they be oblivious to all of that? Yeah, they don't really like it. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> I think it would affect them more when people aren't praising them, when they're scrutinizing something that they did wrong. I think that's something to pay attention to. But that their mentality is much more spurs than it is, say, Warriors, who um, were very open and have a great locker room, and, and they understood like individuality and personality. Uh, the Denver Nuggets are phobic to attention. And if they're going to become a, a great brand in basketball – they're going to have to embrace that more. Uh, but I think game two game two is, is about Spolstra, and it's about Jimmy Butler, mm-hmm. and it's about the, the uh, adjustments they make. They really felt their way through game one. You don't see any sense of panic. Uh, I mean, you're talking about a team that's had a lot of lows this season and has come back. They're incredibly hard to kill, like we saw in the fourth quarter of that game. I don't think the fourth quarter necessarily uh, – can carry over in the game too, but I think they did prod and figure out things that absolutely didn't work, um, and now they have to really emphasize uh, some things that can work for them. And one thing that absolutely has to happen is Jimmy Butler's got to be as aggressive as Bam Adebayo was, and Bam took 25 shots in that game, but did not take free throw. Right? They only yeah. took they only took two free throws as a team. Uh, Jimmy lives at the free throw line. Jimmy is super aggressive. He's got to figure out matchups, particularly when Aaron Gordon is defending him. Um, And that jump shot of his, which can come and go, is going to have to really be working in this series. But uh, if Jimmy Butler can get it going, let's say they lose game two by eight, uh, but Jimmy Butler has a great game, um, and, and they do some things with their lineup to get bigger. I mean, I think... You have to take the chance of just playing Kevin Love, even if it's only 10 minutes. If they can do some things there that that, uh, just kind of change the tempo and the flow of things, I I think then you look at game three going back to Miami and thinking, okay, 
they have a better chance at home. If Jimmy doesn't play well and they get and they're down twenty again and, and lose by double figures, I start to feel like the Heat are going to get swept. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. I got some confidence there in the Heat. That I'll not... tell you one thing about the Heat, man. Um, even when you think the Heat are going to lose, you always add one more game to your prediction mm-hmm. <laughs> because they're yep. the Heat. Because mm-hmm. they're going to find ways to win. And so that's why I think it's more likely to be a six-game series where for most teams it would be a five. Uh, but, man, like Denver, Denver is just so locked in. And, again, um, sometimes there's nothing you can do in basketball – with matchups, with bad matchups, especially with teams that are skilled and have size. And that's what concerns me. Miami, with the lineups they're playing right now, they have one big and essentially four guards. And you're playing against a team that that has old-school size, but is just as skilled, if not more skilled, than you are. Man, I like when I'm on the same page with Jerry Brewer, the Washington Post, because, Jerry, I had said six for Denver, and I said, you know, we love sports because of the Cinderella stories and the magical moments, but sports also gives us the heartbreak. And to me, the heartbreak is coming for the Heat. They're going to give their all, but they're actually going to lose this series in front of their adoring home crowd on their home court in Game 6. So I'm glad to hear we're on the same page at least a little bit on that one. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely we are. Yeah, six six for Denver. I agree with you on that one. Hey, you mentioned this, and I, I asked my producer in the first segment, AJ is uh, a big NBA guy, and, and you alluded to it as well. How in the world are you an NBA team in the finals and you only shoot two free throws in a game? I know they fell way behind and they jacked up like 43 pointers by the time the night was over, but two for two at the free throw line is, is almost, you know, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And I mean, and they, they drove the ball and did some stuff and, and, and gave it to Bam and he operated. But a lot of his stuff was more, um, you know, mid range, uh, type stuff, kind of, kind of no man's land type things. And I tell you what, the Heat will take that. I mean, the, the Nuggets will take that any day. A guy taking 25, having 25 field goal attempts, but only winding up with 26 points. I mean, we look at the raw point total. And we look at Bam's numbers and we say 26, 13, and 5. Did he play well? Yes. Was he as efficient as you wanted to be for a guy with that kind of volume? No way. And I think part of that is just uh, Jimmy's ability to put pressure on the defense uh, creates opportunities at the line, but then also like the best kinds of three-point shots. I mean, uh, the Heat clearly, you could tell that they had fatigue, whether it be the altitude or whether it be the seven-game series beforehand. They made 13 threes, but they took 39. And like I think even those shots that looked open weren't great rhythm shots for any of these guys. And um, this is a series in which the Heat are going to have to have uh, – most of their wins, they're probably going to have to make 23-pointers. And uh, Denver's kind of gotten to the point defensively where um, they're not just easy to score on like they used to be. Uh, so that that's that's really intriguing, you know, the hard part about this series is I only see one or two ways that the Heat can win games. And the Nuggets have like six or seven pathways to victories. Hmm. And that never bodes well um, in a series. It is a refreshing series in that it is Denver looking to win its first championship, Miami an eight seed. That's never happened before. But let me finish up with you with your column from earlier in the week in the Washington Post. These finals are only about basketball and just what the NBA 
needs. There's no Warriors, Lakers, Bucks, Celtics, none of that in this series. Why do you feel this is the type of series the NBA needs right now, Jerry? Um, I think there are no great teams right now. I mean, if you had, uh, you know, the Warriors still in like, you know, at the peak of their dynasty or LeBron, uh, you know, at the peak of his powers, um, you know, a classic type Celtics team, you know, those kinds of situations. um, I I think a lot of times then like greatness trumps parity. But what what I didn't want to see is like the old heads, in the finals because the emerging teams just couldn't do anything, right? Like, I think, um, for instance, like the Phoenix team with KD only playing eight regular season games after the trade. Um, if Phoenix just came in there and romped through and went to the uh, NBA finals, that's more of an indictment of everyone else in the West to me than it is, you know, just uh, uh, something to be inspired by the individual greatness of Durant and Booker and what's left of Chris Paul, right? Um, and I think it, it became pretty clear, um, even though the Warriors and, and the Lakers were, were such a highly rated series, neither of those teams got championship DNA, uh, potential this year. If they had made it to the finals, it would have been because everybody else in the West, the Nuggets in particular, just wasn't ready for the big time. Um, so I think it's great for an emerging team with a two-time MVP uh, and that plays basketball the right way, you know, so selfless, uh, getting there. And I think it's good for the league that, um, you know, there's, there's sort of like the flat parity um, that the NFL kind of forces with the way they do things. But football is our passion, and we'll take anything. You know, we take those terrible Thursday night games, and we take these, all of a sudden we have these um, – you know, 20 to 17 games that were really dog games for three quarters, but then they have some dramatic finish, and we're like, oh, wait, the NFL wonderful. <laughs> like, no, that was terrible. We just love the NFL. We're just obsessed with it. Um, it doesn't work the same way in basketball. Like, uh, there's still a little bit of um, uh, everything is niche compared to the NFL, and there's a little bit of a feeling that you need to have a showcase. And I think the easiest showcase has always been dynasties and superstar players. Uh, but the NBA is changing a bit, as we as we talked about in the past. And I think it's um, very important for the league, uh, for the younger stars, you know, Steph and LeBron and KD, those guys aren't going to be here much longer. And so it was great to see Giannis win a championship two years ago and really validate how good he is when people still have some questions about him in the postseason. It's great to see the same thing with Joker, another two-time MVP. Um, Jason Tatum is going to have to, um, you know, get back and like finish the job with the Celtics, and Luka Doncic is going to have to. Uh, the Mavs are going to have to get it together and really put a team around him, and Luka's going to need to get serious about winning basketball, get in shape, not dominating the ball. Um, uh, you know, make your really elevate your team. Um, and then there's some, you know, so on and so forth. You know, when, when Victor Wimbanyama gets here next year, uh, you give the Spurs a year, but you want them to start making strides that, to come in a perennial playoff team. Like, it's really important that when LeBron, Steph, um, KD, et cetera, et cetera, you know, the old heads, when they leave the game, that there's not some void. And I think that uh, that's what this era is really about laying that groundwork in which you're like, man, we'll miss LeBron James, but we're not going to miss him like we miss Jordan, 
right? Like, mm-hmm. Jordan left, and it was like, damn, the NBA's not the same again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a slow death, and, like, seeing LeBron get beat, seeing Steph get beat, um, seeing KD struggle to stay healthy, uh, I think that makes it in people's minds feel like, okay, um, the transition has already occurred. And that's sports to me, man. Like, mm-hmm. everybody always wants um, the storybook ending, and they don't want to hear about Jordan with the Wizards or Tom Brady last season with the Bucks or Willie Mays with the Mets. And they, you know, make these ridiculous statements like, oh, they're tarnishing their legacy. When, like, ten years later, we barely even remember those things happened. <laughs> um, but, but ultimately, uh, I think it's good for the game, even though it can be painful for diehard fans to see their guys struggle. I think it's good for the game at the end to say the masters of the game got mastered by the game at the end. <laughs> and that allows you to continue on. And I think that's what's happening in the NBA a little bit. But the young guys have to rise to the occasion. And thankfully, we're seeing a guy like Joker. And like, there's no doubt that he's one of the best basketball players we've ever seen. No doubt that he's proving it on a huge stage and will continue to uh, as long as these refreshing finals last. And you and I both agreed should go about six games. Enjoy those games, Jerry. Thank you again for your perspective today. Always enjoy it and look forward to catching up with you before too long. All right. Anytime, man. You take it easy. There goes Jerry Brewer of the Washington Post. Boy, he's great on the air and on paper or online or however you would read him. And both of those stories are great columns. The one about the Nuggets having to understand the attention is coming their way and how they're going to embrace that, and the story about how a series like Denver versus Miami can and will be good moving forward for the NBA. Check him out, WashingtonPost.com slash sports. He's also on Twitter, at Jerry Brewer, and as I said, he's become a regular contributor for us here on the Sports Huddle, and we love that. Time for a break, just about 4.35 on the Friday afternoon edition of the Sports Huddle. Back in a moment on 106.1 ESPN. Folks go head-to-head at Dodger Stadium. Aaron Judge and the New York Yankees continue a West Coast trip in Los Angeles, where they'll face Freddie Freeman and the Dodgers. Coverage begins tomorrow at 6.30 Eastern on ESPN Radio. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on your smart speaker. Oh, I can see the dancers tapping their toes to the Greek music at the Great Greek Festival underway this weekend here in the capital city. Well played, AJ. And if I have enticed you enough, let me officially just tell you, it is at the uh, Saints Constantine and Helen Greek Orthodox Church, and that's on Malvern Avenue. And if you're plugging into your GPS, it's 30 Malvern Avenue. Avenue. It's down there in the fan area. You can't miss it. You'll see all the people and you'll smell all the great food as well. That has long time been one of my favorite staples, one of my favorite festivals to go to here in the capital city. One of my new favorites 
has become the Beer, Bourbon, and Barbecue Festival up at Meadow Event Park in Doswell. Remember last year, we had our buddy Greg Nivens come in. He's one of the promoters of this event. He came into the studio, brought some bourbon in with him. We had a great time. I went to the Beer, Bourbon, and Barbecue Festival up there at Meadow Event Park and already have it circled on my calendar to do it this year. It'll be on July 29th. We're going to have tickets to give away as we get closer to the event. Uh, this event has really mushroomed up and down the East Coast. They make many, many stops up and down the East Coast with this beer, bourbon, and barbecue festival. And we're fortunate enough to be one of those stops up there at Meadow Event Park in Doswell on July 29th. I mentioned this yesterday. If you're really interested, they're going to be in northern Virginia tomorrow up in Centerville at the Bull Run Special Events Center. If you go online to nova.beerandbourbon.com, you can get information about the event that's up there tomorrow and get you ready for the event here at the end of July. Again, we'll be giving away tickets, and I can guarantee you we'll be out there at the Beer, Bourbon, and Barbecue Festival Meadow Event Park on July 29th. Again, it's in Centerville tomorrow at the Bull Run Special Events Center. Nova.beerandbourbon.com will give you all the information you need. You have gotten basketball. You have gotten beer, bourbon, and barbecue. You have gotten Greek Festival. All in hour one of the Friday Sports Huddle. What in the world is coming in hour two? Stay right where you are, and you'll find out after the ESPN Sports Center update at the top of the hour. Thank you for locking in live with us. Sports Huddle on a sun splash Friday afternoon on 106.1 ESPN. Pearson Moss at 9520 West Broad Street.